This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, February 28th, 2021. And today, on the program, Ring of Honor and its parent company, Sinclair Broadcasting, have been sued by former women's champion, Kelly Klein. The WWE Network migration, we still know little about it. AEW's casino game, the first of its series of games, has been released. Uh, And we will talk about non-fungible tokens. NFTs, not NXT, NFTs today. MLW's Court Bauer had an interview. NWA's YouTube channel has been wiped of its videos. New Japan might go back to Axis. The ODNI is now willing to say publicly that Mohammed bin Salman approved of the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Some fascinating data I came across from Tubular about YouTube and Facebook video viewing activity in the U.S. But first... It's time once again to review the latest in the data uh, that is brought to us from Nielsen, from the television world, from Showbiz Daily, to the spreadsheet. This week in wrestling television viewership, the month of February has come to an end. We have all the numbers in. We have at least an, an overnight fast national for the last episode of SmackDown for the month in terms of total viewership. But the month of February has come to an end. Now we can compare the whole month of February of 2021 to the month of February from 2020. Comparing it, not just to itself, not just to other wrestling programs, but comparing it as well to the trends, the decline of TV overall. Why? Because all TV is down. All TV is down, so we will look at in this comparison... As a proxy for TV overall, the average daily top 50 programs, that is sorted by 18 to 49 viewership, the top 50 on a daily basis, on average, will be the stand-in or the proxy for uh, television's consumption behavior overall, because all TV is down. And if you didn't know that all linear television is down, well, just tweet something about TV ratings and Dozens of people will quickly remind you. But before we get into the annual comparisons, let's talk first about where everybody is in terms of actual numbers, total viewers, just so it's clear that uh, these programs live in different tiers, if you will, uh, in terms of a monthly average for the month of February. The leader, again, as always, is WWE SmackDown on Fox which it has led uh, among the five programs that we follow here on cable, on big U.S. cable. Uh, WWE SmackDown has been the leader every single month uh, since its October 2019 move to Fox, at which time, by the way, it it exceeded Raw, which uh, was the consistent leader in total viewers up to that point. Uh, So WWE SmackDown averaging 2.1 million viewers in February 2021. That's about, about the same, very similar to what it did 
in January, uh, but ahead of WWE Raw. WWE Raw averaging 1.8 million viewers. That's a down slightly from the prior month. And then at a tier below those two programs, below the two main roster WWE programs, is AEW Dynamite averaging 789,000 viewers, uh, beating WNXT that it runs head-to-head with WNXT on USA, 662,000 viewers it averaged in the month of February. And then in a tier below either of those two programs, Impact Wrestling doing about a fraction of what NXT does, uh, Impact Wrestling on Axis averaging 172,000 viewers. And that is up substantially from where it was in January. In this case, about substantially means about 20,000 viewers. So what is the trajectory? And again, we're going to look at this in terms of comparing it to itself in the same month of the prior year and in terms of, well, is that is it really declining worse than TV overall? Is it really declining worse than the top 50 cable programs? Or is it on the decline, but not as badly? Or are any of these programs actually in a positive year-over-year comparison? Let's take a look. So in a year-over-year comparison, let's set the baseline here. What is happening with cable overall? Cable overall in February 2021 is down 23% from the same month of the prior year. So 23%. If you're doing worse than 23%, maybe that's not good. If you're doing better than negative 23%, maybe you're doing all right. And in a year-over-year comparison, none of the five programs are doing worse than a 23% year-over-year decline for February. Uh, Raw comes the closest at a negative 20%. Raw down 20% year-over-year in total audience. Uh, SmackDown is the next worst uh, comparison, down 15%, followed by NXT, which is down 13%. AEW Dynamite is down 10%, and Impact Wrestling is the leader, down just 5%. So there's no program that I can point at and say, oh, look, this program in February, at least, was doing worse than TV overall. Raw comes the closest. Impact seems to be doing the best in terms of trajectory. As we mentioned, Impact Wrestling is doing a fraction of any of the other programs in terms of total audience. But that's just total audience. That's just what they call in Nielsen tables, the P2 plus, the people over the age of two. But what about the key demo? the 18 to 49 aged audience, the only thing that matters in all of advertising. Now, there are subscribers and carriage fees behind every one of those households that has a cable subscription or an MVPD or VMVPD subscription. But in terms of ad dollars, some demographic or another is what really matters. Um, Or so says the all-elite media industrial complex in the 18 to 49 demographic tv overall top 50 cable down 29 percent down 29 percent that's the same as it was exact same as it was in january down 29 percent if you're doing worse than 29 percent down sound the alarms if not calm down uh and there's only one program that is doing worse in a february of this year to february of last year 
comparison. Only one program doing worse than negative 29%. And that is WWE NXT, down 34%. Again, top cable, down 29%. NXT down 34%. Uh, The next closest is WWE Raw, down 23%. SmackDown, down 20%. And we have two programs that appear to be positive. I say appear. Uh, In the case of Impact, it's tough to tell what I'm really looking at because I am using the 18-49 demographic rating number to estimate an actual actual, um, viewership count, if you follow me there. And the the rating number is very low. For Impact, it's something like 0.05, 0.04. So we're dealing with very small uh, decimals of precision, if you will. But it, it is up substantially enough uh, in, in this comparison that I'm pretty confident that it is at least a positive year-over-year comparison. Positive, again, when cable overall is down by more than a quarter, uh, more than a quarter, uh, more than 20, well, exactly 29%. Uh, impact is up, up, apparently, 25%, something around there. That may change if I get uh, real viewership numbers to look at here, but about 25% positive when top 50 cable is down 29%. Impact is up 25%. Uh, AEW Dynamite, this February from the February of last year, is up 2%. And we do, in fact, get pretty precise numbers from Showbiz Daily about Dynamite and about Smackdown, because every week, Showbiz Daily reports the sports TV ratings page, which gives us the 18 to 49 viewership, not just in a demo rating. Oh, no, the sports TV ratings page does not mess around. It reports the actual count of viewers in that key demo. So we can be pretty confident that those are the those are pretty precise and and, uh, accurate numbers, as accurate as Nielsen is going to get anyway, for reasons that are. Beyond my understanding, only SmackDown and AEW Dynamite are included in the sports TV ratings page, and presumably because they are considered sports along with other shoot sports, but Raw, NXT, and Impact are not, for reasons I do not know the answer to. So what does this mean? Does this mean that uh, NXT is, is falling apart here? Um, I, I'm not sure. If we look at the month-to-month trends... Um, NXT is even in terms of 18 to 49 audience. It is even. I think what what we're doing is we're comparing NXT's February number to its February number of the prior year. And, uh, NXT has lost a lot of its younger audience, or at least a lot of its 18 to 49 audience during that time. And I think what's happening and what's happened in the last 12 months or so is that, uh, wrestling fans, I think in the early days of the Wednesday Night Wars were, splitting more of their time more evenly between AEW and NXT. And I think as time has gone on here, uh, a number of viewers have decided that they're going to spend more of their time watching AEW, and that has resulted, this is just my inference, my guess, but that has resulted in uh, the 18 to 49 viewing demographic not uh, performing as well for NXT, while AEW is, is in fact up 2%. In that same demo. So so NXT is showing an unfavorable year-over-year comparison. 
but I don't see it strongly on a on a continuing trajectory currently where it is continuing to leak viewers in that demo. Again, the month the month difference for NXT is zero. But another metric that I want to talk about that is rarely talked about among wrestling punditry, I want to talk about the cable ranking. So that means, unfortunately, we will not be able to talk about uh, SmackDown in these terms. Uh, Although we could mention that SmackDown was beaten by both Shark Tank and 2020 on Friday night, according to the the Fast Nationals. Uh, And that is in the key demo. Uh, I think SmackDown is routinely beaten in total audience, but often does well or leads in the key demo. Uh, But... We don't, because uh, SmackDown is not a cable program. It is a broadcast program, so we don't have a cable rank for it. Uh, I, I have done some math, though, in the past and, and asked um, if SmackDown was it was a cable program or, or was to be ranked among the cable programs on Friday night, keeping in mind, obviously, that W SmackDown was on Fox and certainly has higher viewership because of being on Fox, because Fox has such a large reach substantially larger than any cable network. Um, But if SmackDown, if all things were still somehow equal, and SmackDown was a cable program, uh, SmackDown would be ranking number two or number one uh, most of the time, is what I found, uh, without pulling the spreadsheet up. But WRAW, and when we talk about cable rank, we're talking about the rank on its day, among other cable originals. So we're not uh, considering... uh, Episodes of Law and Order here that are reruns on the USA Network, for example, or the movies that proceed and come after uh, AEW Dynamite. But uh, W Raw median rank for the month of February was a number one, which is the same if actually as it did in February 2020. So that is the first time since since February 2020 that Raw had a median cable rank for the day. Of one, uh, previous month of January did a three. The month before that did a five, a five, a six, a five, a five, a four. Uh, Raw ranks very highly, and uh, in February it ranked on, on on median. I guess is the way to say it. It ranked number one. So I think that that tells you a lot about how this program is going to be uh, viewed. It's not the only factor, but it's one important factor about how Raw is going to be viewed in terms of. Uh, its TV rights value in the U.S. Uh, when that deal comes up for renegotiation next year. AEW Dynamite is performing the next best among among the three programs. Uh, and actually, we can talk about Impact as well. But uh, we'll talk about AEW Dynamite next. AEW Dynamite's median rank was number five for Wednesday nights on cable. Of course, AEW Dynamite is on TNT. But among all the other original programs on cable on Wednesday in February, it, it, its median rank was five, fifth among all those programs. Uh, its head-to-head competitor, WNXT, its median rank was a 45. That, that is up from the previous month of January where it was 68th, down to 68. But this month, back up a little bit to 45 and uh as people who browse showbiz daily know if it doesn't finish in the top 50 we don't get all the other demos we only get the uh, the the key demo 18 to 49 and we only get the total audience but if it finishes in the top 50 it's got to finish in the top 50 
for us to see all the demos, to see, for example, how many viewers, viewers or at least the, the rating for, how many viewers over the age of 50 uh, were watching NXT. Uh, the NXT audience in P50 Plus continues to beat AEW's audience in P50 Plus, the only, the only demo that NXT consistently leads AEW Dynamite in P50 Plus. But, uh, by the way, uh, AEW Dynamite number five, that's up from January's 32. Uh, both of these programs were, in terms of their ranking, were really pushed down by a lot of news coverage uh, in January related to the, the Capitol attack, related to impeachment, related to the inauguration, all in January. But in a more normal, normal month uh, in recent times, December 2020, Dynamite's median rank was three, though so better than February, a three, again, February, a five for Dynamite, and NXT, a 40 for December compared to a 45 for February. And Impact Wrestling had a median rank of 121 for its airings on Tuesday on Access. Uh, again, again, Impact appears to be the most highly viewed, at least in the key demo, uh, most highly viewed program on Access. It is the only program other than one other instance of a concert that I've seen reported in the Showbiz Daily Top 150. So Impact Wrestling, probably the leader on Access. And maybe more wrestling content coming to Access, maybe an old friend returning. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, reporting this week, uh, in, a, in a follow-up actually to something that was reported the previous week, that uh, Access and New Japan are in talks right now, but uh, New Japan reportedly is in talks with a number of U.S. Dave Wright's stations, yeah, networks, whatever you want to call them. And speaking of TV deals or potential TV deals, I think it's important that we pay attention to other uh, sports TV deals that are made in the U.S. to get an idea of what the general TV rights economy is like, especially as negotiations for WWE's deals come up next year and maybe for uh, AEW's deals as well, or, or deal, I should say, with Warner Media. Uh, but Disney and the, the NFL, according to John O'Ran of the Sports Business Journal, Disney and the NFL have reached an agreement on a new TV rights deal to keep ESPN uh, as the home of Monday Night Football that would be at a rate, at an increased rate of 1.3x or 30% over the value of its current deal. Disney is currently pay paying about $2 billion per year for Monday Night Football on an average annual basis. A 30% increase would bring a new deal to an average annual value of 2.6 billion dollars. So the TV rights market still still growing, still on the rise at least in the case of the most sought after property in all of sports media, the NFL. Wrestling is is probably on a on a tier below the NFL or any of the major sports. But there may be reasons to argue why uh, you know wrestling is not fully valued even at this point. But news like this, I think, gives us reason to continue to be optimistic that wrestling is going to continue to get increases in its TV rights deals uh, in the future. So in other words, the wrestling business has become increasingly 
this media business, especially in the last 10 years or so. And uh, it's, I think, poised to continue to become uh, a media business in terms of where does it get its revenue from? Wrestling used to be a ticketing business, largely. Used to be, uh, more strongly, a pay-per-view business. But now, more than ever, what wrestling, the major wrestling companies, get their money from is from rights for its television shows. Television shows that used to be the hype machine that promoted the other products. Now, the hype programs themselves are where the most money is. Because wrestling is live. It is programming that people want to watch live, just like sports. Although I think it has more DVR viewership than most sports programs do by percent. But it'll be interesting to see what happens here, uh, especially as, as all the NFL deals get renewed. And to see to what degree these programs uh, have streaming uh, as part of their distribution. Uh, I've, I've heard that uh, CBS is going to stream the NFL games that it has on Paramount+. Plus. We'll see what happens there. We'll see if Amazon, as Nick Khan suggested, picks up Thursday night football. Um, and I think that we'll watch what happens there. And I think that tells us something about in the future, does WWE have exclusive streaming rights to deal for its live broadcasts in addition to the live TV rights that it deals? As over time, we see uh, the money that consumers used to put into and still do put into cable subscriptions, MVPDs, VMVPDs, as we see that that revenue gravitate over to streaming. Are we seeing the slow movement of the live broadcast content, live sports content, moving from not just valued on linear cable programs, cable networks, but being valued uh, on live linear, I'm sorry, on live video streaming services as well. Do we even end up in a scenario in, in a couple of years from now where say WWE or even AEW make a deal where they, they sell, you know, maybe it's a, it's an even deal for linear, but you get extra money because you're selling the streaming rights to whether, whether it's within NBCU to Peacock or to even a, a whole other streaming player gets the exclusive streaming rights. And then this network over here gets the exclusive linear rights or something maybe that doesn't totally make sense but something like that where it's it's uh on the whole an increase in media rights value over the previous deal even if it's not an increase on the linear deal itself just just a, a speculative scenario to think about there but i do tend to think that i guess eventually on a long enough timeline we're going to get to a point where there are fewer and fewer cable subscriptions, at least as we know them today. And more and more of this revenue from consumers, more and more of these sales, whether they're in the, probably, probably in, the, in the form of subscription sales, more and more of them end up being streaming subscription sales rather than linear cable satellite virtual MVPD sales. And then more and more of the rights or watch time happens uh, on streaming over the internet rather than through the coax cable or through the satellite. So that even if we, we do end up with in a scenario where sports, including wrestling, are getting 
lower are no longer getting upgrades or even getting downgrades in their linear TV rights fees, that that will be offset by increases or larger fees in the streaming rights. That, that's what I, where I think we're going. But this is, as they say, early days. But another potential media deal in the world of wrestling, apparently in the U.S., but maybe not specifically to the U.S., uh, Forbes, Alfred Kanawa with Forbes, has an interview with MLW's Court Bauer, the CEO of MLW, Court Bauer, talking about the possibility of a second MLW program. Uh, MLW already has an agreement with BN Sports for MLW Fusion, uh, beaten sports has relatively low coverage uh, in the U.S., but Court Bauer says he, a second show is very possible. The scope of discussions have varied depending on what the other side of the Zoom call is looking for, and with that, demand and interest in MLW content in the history of the company has never been greater. The whiteboard in my office had a decent list of linear and streaming groups we were actively speaking with going into the new year, but now I need a second whiteboard. I just can't keep up. It's been incredible, end quote. So if you are a, uh, a, a TV network or a streaming group that's looking for wrestling content, you, you, you better call up MLW while you still can. Because according to Corp Hour, people are just knocking down the door looking for more MLW content. Uh, Bauer is quoted further, quote, Last week, offers started to come in. Is the decision eminent? Maybe. But as soon as I think that, a new party enters the conversation and complicates my visibility on what the countdown clock looks like as we tick down to decision time. So we're continuing to take meetings. At some point, we're going to have to make a decision on a deal. But the appetite is unlike any experience since we started this thing in 2017. There is a lot of energy around us, and that's good. End quote. So MLW still taking meetings, but, but make your meeting fast. I really don't know what to make of that. Uh, hyping up the, the demand for, uh, for sports rights for MLW uh, in a public interview. I have no sense uh, for what uh, MLW's uh, TV rights value, media rights value might be. Um, it, it is something that I thought about when I was putting together the 2020 report and whether I should have included MLW more prominently in some of the tables that I was doing um, it, it seems to me possible that MLW's media rights value, say in the U.S. or even globally, uh, could be greater than Ring of Honor, Impact, or New Japan. Um, but then again, it wouldn't surprise me if it's substantially less than those three companies. There's just not a lot of clarity that we can get by looking uh, at these private companies from the outside. And Sinclair, yes, Sinclair is a publicly traded company. But it doesn't uh, report any detail, really, related to Ring of Honor in its company filings. What I'm saying there is what deal has the greatest value? BN Sports payment to uh, MLW? Anthem's payment to Impact Wrestling? Or its budget, however that works. Uh, Sinclair's payment or budget to Ring of Honor? Uh, or Roku's payment to New Japan? I have no idea. And any of them being the leader among those think that's four would not surprise me any of those being the last place among the four would not surprise me i have no no sense of which one is valued more than the other in other news 
as I record this uh, on Sunday night, the uh, Women's World Championship for AEW is to be streaming on BR Live, and uh, it is holding up at the moment for, for me. The, the stream is. But all kinds of confusing messaging happening here. Is it on Bleacher Report? Is it on BR Live? Is it uh, on Peacock? Is it on uh, Showtime Plus? Is it on Fight or YouTube? I'm exaggerating, but there was some confusion about whether there is a differentiation between BR Live and Bleacher Report. And definitely there seems to be some confusion about whether or not this is available outside the U.S. Uh, if, uh, if the people on Twitter replying to the AEW tweet are not bots, then there's, there's definitely some difficulty accessing this uh, worldwide, despite the advertising saying otherwise. Speaking of confusing messaging related to streaming products, WWE and uh, NBC Universal have yet to communicate just what's going to happen with user accounts for the WWE Network, U.S. user accounts only now. This is only pertinent. I've, I've got to send my customer uh, service invoice into, uh, into NBCU or something. But uh, this only affects people in the U.S. If you are not in the U.S., this uh, migration to Peacock or whatever is happening with Peacock uh, taking over the W Network content, this does not pertain to you and your, your user experience. Uh, but on March 18th, according to the press release that NBCU and WWE put out in January, March 18th is the day that W Network content is to start appearing on Peacock, which is NBCU's streaming service. Uh, March 21st is the Fastlane pay-per-view, which will be the first pay-per-view that is supposed to appear, st be streamed live on Peacock. Uh, some confusing messaging, though, on W Programming, uh, saying that it will be on both the W Network and Peacock. So leaving people to question, is the W Network going to continue to exist in terms of a direct-to-consumer platform in the U.S. for some time until WrestleMania, maybe? Um, but I, I'm interested in what exactly is going to happen with the user accounts. So is your user account going to be automatically migrated to become a Peacock account? And if it is, are you going to be migrated as a $4.99 customer or as a $9.99 customer? Or is your user account simply going to be canceled if you're a U.S. subscriber to the W Network and you're, you have to manually sign up? for a Peacock account. Is that the case? Um, I emailed both WB and NBC Universal Media Relations earlier this week. Uh, a few days went by and I didn't get, get a reply, so I sent a follow-up email. And I did get a reply from NBC Universal's media representative. An NBC Universal spokesperson said that they will have info to share, uh, not right now, but soon. They'll be able to share that information soon and that they'll stay in touch next week. So, nothing new to report. The news is that there's no news right now. And uh, maybe next week we'll find out. But if it is the case that the user, user account migration is not happening automatically, I, I, that's, I don't know, that's an obvious um, friction, point of friction for, for users to try to figure out uh, how to get access to Peacock. Do they have a device that... Uh, can easily get access to Peacock. Uh, I understand it's not on, Peacock is not on Amazon Fire Sticks, 
maybe there are other devices that Peacock is not on yet, but uh, I think there's going to be a decrease. If if you have to manually sign up for Peacock, there's going to be a decrease in, um, in engagement, at least at first, although you do have WrestleMania coming up that a lot of people will will uh, go through some friction for, we'll, we'll jump over some hurdles for probably. But uh, friction is, I think, is an underestimated hurdle to, to engagement, to sales, and things of that nature. And uh, yeah, I, I think it would, would not be uh, the, the best thing for all involved, uh, both NBCU, WB, and consumers, if, if this is not an, an automatic migration. But we'll see. And there are still questions, too, about... Uh, to what degree is all of the library content going to be accessible on NBC Universal? And uh, nothing new to report there yet either. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing slab packs from Arena Club. Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network in other news a previously classified intelligence report from the u.s office of the director of national intelligence was publicly disclosed on friday uh, for the first time, showing that uh, the CIA concluded that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman did approve 
of the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi in Istanbul, Turkey, in 2018. Uh, this was a very controversial uh, international news story that uh, led to a lot of scrutiny of WB at the time. Of course, WB has a 10-year agreement. They're about two years, maybe three years, I guess, at this point, into a 10-year agreement with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, with the government itself. They're not just running shows in Saudi Arabia. They have an agreement. They are paid by the government about 50 Five zero fifty million dollars for each Saudi show. Again, this is a company that generates just under one billion dollars in revenue for a year, getting one hundred million dollars for two shows annually in Saudi Arabia in support of the Vision Twenty Thirty Economic and Public Relations Plan. But in November two thousand eighteen, uh, W was to run Crown Jewel, and in October, just exactly one month before. Uh, a journalist for the Washington Post, a Saudi citizen, was uh, who is a resident of the U.S., Jamal Khashoggi. He was uh, looking to get married to his fiance and was essentially lured to Istanbul, Turkey, to get some paperwork that would allow him to marry his fiance, and in the process was uh, murdered by a number of Saudi agents. And this this report uh, follows up on reporting that uh, other media outlets, I think, including the Washington Post. Uh, had reported on in the past, but this is uh, the U.S. government confirming that that is what they conclude, that uh, Crown Prince, the the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, approved of the killing. Uh, The report reads, we assess, uh, quote, we assess that Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman approved an operation in Istanbul, Turkey, to capture or kill Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi, end quote. Uh, WWE's last show in Saudi Arabia was on February 27th last year in 2020. They haven't been able to go back yet because of the pandemic, but we would uh, expect as soon as uh, the pandemic is not an obstacle, they will be back. Uh, WWE did not respond to a request for comment. Back in 2018, and uh, along with their third quarter earnings report, an earnings press release on October 25th, 2018, W stated in the report, quote, considering the heinous crime committed at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, the company faced a very difficult decision as it relates to its event scheduled for November 2nd in Riyadh, similar to other U.S.-based businesses who plan to continue operations in Saudi Arabia. The company has decided to uphold its contractual obligations to the General Sports Authority and stage the event, end quote. W also said that they have, uh, for nearly 20 years, they have ran events in the Middle East and they have a sizable, dedicated fan base. Yes, there was a heinous crime. We're not going to say who's responsible for it. And and it, it was it was less than a month after the heinous crime had happened. But uh, And look, similar U.S. companies are planning to do operations in, in Saudi Arabia still, too. And we have a contract to uphold with the General Sports Authority. By the way, the approximately $50 million that WWE gets per event in Saudi Arabia from the government is some three times greater than the live gate for an average WrestleMania over the last several years. That is a full, for a full capacity stadium, WrestleMania, which does about somewhere around $15 million in ticket sales. Multiply that by three times, you get about $50 million or 45 
biggest WrestleMania ever for ticket sales. Biggest, also biggest pro wrestling event ever for ticket sales was WrestleMania 32 in 2016 with $17.3 million at the gate. Multiply that by three. That's $52 million, about one Saudi event. In fact, uh, add up every WrestleMania live gate ever, adjust it for current inflation, and stack them all on top of each other. You still don't have as much money as WWE has gotten for the five Saudi Arabia events it has done so far. Five Saudi events uh, are greater in revenue than all 36 WrestleMania's ticket sales combined. AEW's casino game, Double or Nothing, came out on Friday. And besides some loading screens and a, and a Double or Nothing logo on the poker table, this looks to be a pretty uh, generic and, and previously existing uh, casino mobile game uh, that already existed that just has some AEW logos put on it in a few places. Um, and I, I hope the licensing fee was pretty good because it looks to be pretty generic and uh, disappointing to some people. Uh, WWE. <laughs> AEW still has a, uh, a simulator game and a full traditional console wrestling game uh, still to come uh, in the future. And then on Wednesday, a new legal filing uh, was publicly disclosed. A complaint from plaintiff Kelly Klein against defendant, defendants, in fact, Sinclair Broadcasting Group Incorporated and Ring of Honor Wrestling Entertainment, LLC. And Kelly Klein is the former Women of Honor, Ring of Honor's women's champion. And Klein, who is being represented by uh, Julian A. Hafner of the law firm of YK Law, LLP, and Stephen P. New, of the law firm New Taylor and Associates. Uh, Klein makes a, a variety of allegations and is looking to recover damages in excess of $75,000, exclusive of interest and costs. Uh, essentially, the basics here are that she's alleging a an unsafe working environment where uh, she mentions the, the number of uh, injuries, specifically head injuries, that she sustained and the lack of care from uh, management at Ring of Honor, the number of times that she brought up these issues, uh, alleging issues of sexual harassment, especially related to Jay Lethal, and related to pay, she alleges that she is owed royalties. She alleges that she was paid $20,000 per year and asked for a raise in her when her contract was renewed. She asked for $24,000 a year, but uh, Ring of Honor member of management Greg Gillian said that uh, $20,000 was what they paid all women, and if they gave her a raise, they would have to give everyone a raise. Klein alleges that she was discriminated against on the basis of her sex by paying her compensation that was less than that which was paid to male wrestlers, despite the fact that the performance by male and female wrestlers requires equal skill, effort, and responsibility, etc., which would be illegal based on federal and state statutes. Uh, th this lawsuit, by the way, filed in the United States District Court for the District of Maryland. Ring of Honor and Sinclair are headquartered in Maryland. Uh, Kelly Klein is uh, said in this complaint to be a resident of Ohio. And interestingly, 
Uh, she's asking for a declaratory judgment establishing the plaintiff is an employee of defendants. And she's asking for a declaratory judgment establishing that the provisions of the agreement, that means her contract and the amendment of the contract, related to Klein's classification as an independent contractor are void as against public policy. So she's looking for the court to to declare that she was not an independent contractor, that she was misclassified, and that she was actually an employee. And I'm, I'm obviously not a legal expert or a lawyer, uh, but it, it looks like maybe some of the uh, the claims of this complaint uh, rely on her actually being an employee and, and, and rely on the court seeing it that uh, she was misclassified. Uh, additionally, she de- details a number of interactions with Ring of Honor management, including an incident at a hotel, uh, at a hot tub where Jay Lethal approached her in a way that made her feel uncomfortable, uh, which led to a lot of problems in the future with Jay Lethal and with management. Uh, she details a lot of injuries in which management did not check on her, did not uh, guide her on getting medical treatment, did not compensate her for medical treatment. I will read paragraph 62 from the complaint. Uh, on or about November 7, 2019, Klein met with Joe Koff, who is the chief operating officer of Ring of Honor. Klein met with Koff to discuss fair pay and sexual harassment. A human resources employee from Sinclair Broadcasting, Caitlin, was also present. Plaintiff advised Koff that the salaries for the female talent were not comparable to that of the male talent. Further, Klein complained about the sexual harassment by Shipman, Jamar Shipman, who is Jay Lethal. Koff said he thought it had been resolved. Plaintiff told him it had not, but plaintiff had just stopped talking about it because nothing had ever been done. Plaintiff had brought this up to HR in 2018, and that management had revealed her name to Shipman slash Jay Lethal, even though there was no formal investigation, which created a hostile work environment for her. Koff stated that there was no documentation for the 2018 claim, and that HR was only for employees, and she was not an employee. When Klein asked for policies, Koff informed her that her contract was her quote-unquote handbook, end quote. Uh, I'll also go back to uh, paragraph 58, uh, which reads, On or about December 17, 2018, Klein had email correspondence and a phone conversation with Greg Gilliand, who's a member of Ring of Honor Management, regarding her salary. Specifically, after she saw the initial offer of $20,000 for 2019, she asked if it would be possible for her salary to be increased to twenty-four thousand dollars. Jillian rejected this because he stated that all female wrestlers in Ring of Honor were paid the same, and that if he paid Klein more, then all the other women wrestlers would have to be paid more. This salary was substantially below the salary that the male wrestlers were paid, and the decision to pay the salary was based upon the fact that Klein was a female. Klein was asked to make more appearances with no limit regarding the frequency of appearances than the other female talent. Plaintiff learned that at least one male member of Ring of Honor talent was paid $184,000 and was afforded single occupancy rooming. And then further ahead on on paragraph 63, quote, Plaintiff alleges that the defendants terminated her contract as of December 31st, 2019 because of her complaints, which were, I believe, public, by the way, uh, because of her complaints regarding the disparate pay for Women of Honor female wrestlers, the lack of safety and medical protocols, after plaintiff suffered the concussion in October of 2019 and the sexual harassment at Ring of Honor. And so it doesn't say the exact amount of money that Klein is looking to uh, recover. Uh, she claims that she is owed royalties related to 
uh, merchandise sales, video sales, action figure sales. Uh, her contract is actually mentioned as an exhibit to this complaint, but the exhibit is not a part of the public record, at least at this point. Maybe that is something that will be disclosed in the future, but we'll see. But it's definitely a litigation that will continue to follow in the future to see where this goes. Again, this is a, apparently part of this is arguing that she was incorrectly classified as an independent contractor as opposed to an employee. So we'll see how that plays out. I don't, uh, I don't know that, that this is going to change the wrestling business uh, in terms of the, the worker classification. I will say uh, sort of editorially, uh, I, I did read over the entire complaint. The entire complaint is 28 pages. Uh, and it just uh, it sort of reminded me of, of the ways in which you know, professional wrestling organizations, especially the biggest ones, seem to be the beneficiaries of uh, taking advantage of, of wrestlers who want to wrestle for a full-time living and are willing to do so at a very low price uh, for the sake of the opportunity of becoming a bigger star. And I suppose Ring of Honor slash Sinclair will have its response to this complaint, and maybe we'll see that on public record. But uh, but the, the complaint from Kelly Klein certainly paints a picture of a, of a company that is uh, certainly, at least for her, was a very unpleasant place to work. Then turning to the subject of online video viewing. And some interesting information coming from Tubular Labs, which covers video viewing for both YouTube and Facebook. I guess that Facebook is probably the number two video viewing platform at this point in terms of time. Uh, but we've got the, uh, the top sports media creators and a, an account of unique viewers on a monthly average for the year of 2020. Not globally, but in the U.S., Unique viewers and unique viewers in the U.S. And we've also got a a limited age breakdown here. Um, I think this is especially interesting because a lot of the online video viewing numbers that we do see are global. Uh, WWE publishes its AVOD charts and its key performance indicators each quarter. And those are global numbers. And we know that about 70% of those view those views and that view time is happening outside the United States. Uh, maybe a lot of it is happening in India where the, the CPMs, the cost per thousand uh, views or cost per thousand viewers is pretty low. The advertising rates that is are pretty low in uh, if you're, if the large majority of your views are coming from uh, economies where the economy is not well developed and people don't have a lot of money where people, uh, the median income in India, for example, is about a, is a fraction of what it is in the U.S. So the ad revenue that you're able to extract from those audiences will be uh, much lower. So, and you can also look at YouTube views publicly. You can look at the YouTube views, obviously, on any YouTube view, uh, any YouTube video, any Facebook video. With socialblade.com, I can look at the the monthly view counts for every YouTube channel that's out there. But how many people are really watching in the U.S. and how many of those views, you know, to what degree does that represent actual unique viewers? Well, according to the report from Tubular Labs, WWE is the third most viewed sports media creator on Facebook and YouTube uh, for its U.S. audience. Number three 
uh, ahead of it are SportsCenter and ESPN. Uh, WWE has, according to this, 29 million monthly unique viewers of its video content in the U.S. Not worldwide, not in India, not in uh, other countries. In the U.S., 29.2 million unique monthly viewers. And that's monthly. We know that WWE, let's see, on SmackDown, Max is out at about 2.1, 2.2 million viewers. How many people are watching some section of the program is certainly in excess of 2.1 or 2.2 million viewers. How many viewers, so I'm trying to com- compare digital to linear here. Oh, eyeballs. I'm trying to compare digital eyeballs to linear eyeballs here is what I'm getting at. Um, even if the SmackDown number, even if the the, the, um, the number of people who watch some part of W programs across a month is many, I don't know, 10 times? If it's 10 times, it's, it gets pretty close. It gets pretty close to 29 million, which is... The reported number here, 29 million unique monthly viewers for WCOM. So we're probably getting close to the point, if not exceeding the point where there's more watch time happening on digital than on linear. And this is a point that George Barrios would often make, making the comparison to other sports leagues. MLB, NBA, NFL are all below, even UFC, UFC are all below uh, WWE in this ranking. So again, number one, Sports Center with 39 million monthly unique viewers. ESPN, which is a separate creator apparently, with 36.5 million. After that is WWE, Barstool Sports, UFC at number five, Bleacher Report at number six, NFL at number seven, House of Bounce. I don't know what that is. At number eight, looks like the bas- basketball uh, logo. NBA at number 9, and MLB at number 10. And then in another chart from Tubular, titled The Winners for U.S. Male 13 to 14, or sorry, 13 to 24, and U.S. Female 13 to 24 audiences. So this is young people from the ages of 13 to 14. And on the male side, we have WB at number 3, just below... World Star Hip Hop slash WSHH, World Star Hip Hop, yeah, and Movie Clips at number one. So WWE actually above SportsCenter and ESPN in this ranking. Uh, 8.3 million unique viewers who are male between the ages of 13 and 24. And uh, this is just the top 10. W does not rank for female audiences in this age group. But as somebody who has been saying that W has a young viewer problem, this does support the idea that young people are watching, they're just watching digitally. They're watching online video and they're not watching linear TV. They're not watching to be on linear TV, at the very least. I would like to see this data over time. Is this an increase over last year in either of these metrics overall or within this young age group? But again, it needs to be pointed out that the, the amount of money that WB gets for its linear TV broadcasts on the USA Network and on Fox and other broadcasters around the world is about a dozen times more than the amount of money that W gets for, let's say, an hour of, pro, of, of view time on digital versus an hour of view time on linear. I estimate that the, the, that, com- that comparison among U.S. viewers is something like 14 times greater in the case of linear TV that is traditional 
old-fashioned TV versus uh, the ad dollars that WWE is able to generate through YouTube or through Facebook. So, TV ratings don't matter anymore. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think TV ratings do matter. TV rights fees are the majority of WWE's revenue and the, the vast majority of AEW's revenue. And uh, your ability to capture an audience that is among the, the most watched programs, uh, among TV programs, that is really valuable and that is really important. And WWE, in the case of Raw and SmackDown, are able to do that uh, in a really strong way. AEW is about the fifth ranked program on any given Wednesday these days. So TV ratings matter. They matter to determining the value of your media rights fees. And maybe there will be a day where there will be streaming rights fees for some of this programming. And, and maybe that's where this is headed, as I talked about a bit earlier. But these AVOD platforms, these digital video platforms like YouTube and Facebook, uh, I think it's really important that these companies have a strong presence on there to capture new fans because they're probably not going to capture them through through linear TV. In fact, I think a lot of them get captured through through consumer products, whether that's action figures or or the video games. I think that's a discovery point for a lot of uh, future wrestling fans. But finding this report from Tubular, Tubular Labs, Tubular Labs, led to me finding some other information that I didn't know until now. Tubular Labs has here following. All of these uh, major creators, there's an ongoing ranking list by month here. Uh, it doesn't get down to unique viewers, but uh, we, we do have a ranking of, of United States YouTube sports views in January 2021. So I imagine this will be updated soon for February, and so maybe we'll talk about this again. But number one for YouTube views in January 2021 in the United States, in the United States, is, is by a really wide margin, WWE. 1.2 million views. The next closest, oh, I'm sorry, 1.2 billion views. Sorry, Carl Sagan. Billion with a B. 1.2 billion views. The next closest is the NBA at number two with 263 million. So that, that, WWE doing something like four times what the NBA is doing in the U.S. on YouTube. UFC is number three with 184 million views. Yes, I'm rounding this in my head. But what about AEW? Does AEW show up anywhere on this, this top 25 list? It does at number 19 for January with six, uh, 36 million US YouTube views for January. 36 million at number 19. Again, WWE at number one. 1.2 billion views. AEW at 36 million in the U.S. Where's Impact? If I look up Impact, I can find Impact at 26 million views for January in the U.S. 26 million. But Impact is huge on Facebook. Impact, according to Tubular Labs, doing 88 million video views in the U.S., on Facebook, 88 million on Facebook to 26 million on YouTube. How does AEW compare in that regard? Well, AEW is doing just 26 million, well, 27 million views on Facebook to 36 million on YouTube. In terms of trajectory, though, 
uh, this total view count between YouTube and Facebook uh, for Impact is on the, the decline from November, December, January. And for AEW, it is on the increase for November, December, and January. You can unlock even more information on Tubular Labs, but when I click to do that, it doesn't tell me what the price is, so it must be an astronomical fee. <laughs> I have to do a demo request. I probably have to have somebody call me and share their screen with me and try to sell me a, a multi-thousand dollar subscription or something. Uh, speaking of subscriptions, if you want to support WrestleNomics and join all our other wonderful and generous supporters, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, you can support today for $5 a month and you will be contributing to uh, the improvement of our research here at WrestleNomics. I plan to, to use patron funds to support another survey in the near future, which I will, of course, share with all of you. And finally, just before we sign off, I learned this week about something called non-fungible tokens, which are apparently the future. And like all things that are the future, I am at once terrified and optimistic. I have visited the website NBA Top Shot, which is selling officially licensed digital collectibles. That's right, officially licensed digital collectibles. These are, if I'm understanding this right, and if you understand this better than I do, tweet me or send me an email, brandon at wrestlenomics.com, nbatopshot.com, you can learn about this. These are, this is what the NBA is doing. Maybe other sports leagues are doing this as well. I haven't, haven't discovered yet, though. But they're selling videos, and somehow there's, there's, a, there's a serial number associated with this, and somehow the, the digital item lives on the blockchain. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do such a bad job explaining this, but it's a, it's a video of a highlight, let's say, of a, of a dunk or a three-point shot, and it's like a trading card. So you, you buy these packs, you can buy the packs, just like a pack of trading cards, and uh, they're, they're sold out right now. They're in such high demand, in fact. Uh, there's, there's packs for $9, for $14, for $99. And uh, some of them are extra rare. Some of them, I, I understand there's a LeBron James card that's being sold for a quarter of a million dollars. And uh, I, I don't completely understand what's going on here, but this may have ramifications for the professional wrestling business sooner than later, I think. <laughs> So then I read, read an article explaining what NFTs are, and NFTs are some sort of representation that is not copyable. It can't be copied, and it lives on the blockchain, and it can be transferred from, from one owner to another owner. It can be sold sort of like a cryptocurrency. It's on the blockchain, which I couldn't really explain to you what blockchain means, but it's, it's basically independent of being owned by some other web server i guess and this is you know believed by by some to be the future of of intellectual property i don't completely understand it but uh maybe if you remember those fiend belts that were thousands of dollars well this may if you think about what, what the, the wrestling audience is like and how avid wrestling fans are maybe we will be be seeing uh wwe or aew Maybe even New Japan NFTs out there 
sooner or later. But uh, that's about all the time. Well, maybe I'll, I'll make an NFT out of out of my my graphs, and maybe I'll sell those that way. How about that. You can get the, the classic limited edition bar graph on the Net Promoter Score study. How about that? But anyway, that's about all, all I have for today. Uh, again, you can support at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Thanks to everybody for supporting, and thanks to everybody for listening. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. You can follow WrestleNomics at WrestleNomics and I'm Brandon Thurston, and I will talk to you next time.